Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. And when you when you first suggested it, I was like, "What the hell is this nonsense we're going to watch?" And um, ultimately, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm charmed by it. Uh, there is a good moral to it." I think if you've got kids, then this is something that is wholesome, kind of makes you think. And um, girls aren't just princesses or trying to fall in love with a prince so it's got a lot of strengths both my children can sit through the whole thing which is quite a miracle <laughs> i'm not a parent by the way but like you know i'm a former child <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody welcome to this episode of flicks watch podcast i'm joined today by david hello danny hi helen Hi. And we're going to be talking about Hilda and the Mountain King. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. In our remote FlixWatcher studio, we have Dave and Danny. If you could please say hello and introduce yourselves. And Danny, we'll start with you, please. Hi, my name's Danny Horn, and I've been in podcasts for quite a long time, actually, probably about, <laughs> gosh, over 12 years. I started out as an audiobooks editor and podcast producer at Penguin, and then I looked after Apple Podcasts for about eight years until recently moving to Small Wardour to create some wonderful kids' podcasts. And I'm Dave slash David Smith. I run Wardour Studios and I'm also a co-creator director of Small Wardour. And I have been a sound engineer, uh, audio producer, latterly a podcaster, um, worked in audio for quite a while. And yeah, we've got lots of fun kids things going on right at the moment. We'll get to small audio in a second, but I just want to jump to Danny uh, for a second because you're one of the first person's names I heard in the podcasting realm um, by Helen Zaltzman who recommended you as a as a way to get your podcast big. I'm sure there's a better grammatical way of saying that. <laughs> but yeah, you used, used to be like a liaison between people and and iTunes, now uh, Apple Podcasts. Can you tell us a bit about that side of things? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm going to obviously start by saying how much I love Helen. 
<laughs> she's just so amazing. She's been such an amazing force in the podcast world. But um, yeah. so yeah, when I was at Apple Podcasts, I was the Apple Podcast lead, which meant that I looked after the the editorial of the store. So, um, you know, all the different podcasts that are promoted in the app are actually uh, on the homepage manually curated um, for, you know, by myself for a number of years and then by someone else now who, I mean, she's awesome and I go there all the time for recommendations. And um, yeah, obviously a huge part of my job was was working with podcast creators and hearing about all the amazing things they have coming up, which was, I mean, it was just so fun because it's just people in podcasts are so amazing, aren't they? And um, so creative and so interesting. But um, there are a lot of them. So it was also quite intense. <laughs> <laughs> So, I guess there's more than one person doing that job right now. Are you saying? Uh, yeah, the team has grown since I first um, since I first started there for sure. You know, obviously that um, podcasting has exploded over the years. When I I think I started about eight and a half years ago in that role, and it was a very different kettle of fish. You know, there were a couple of radio shows and very few independents, and obviously over the years that has completely changed. If literally everyone doing podcasts so yeah obviously the the team has grown significantly since then yeah i love it and yeah like say i think i was in touch with you quite early on saying we've got a podcast called plex watcher would you would you feature it and you said no um i think you were like i'd like to but i'm on maternity leave (laughs) i was like did i say no i I definitely listened to it but yes i think you're right i was on maternity leave (laughs) and and david who are you I, I ask myself that every day. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm a sort of sound engineer, musician, become producer. I've always loved audio. Um, you know, used to fool around with tape recorders when I was a kid. Um, mm. So, and then I sort of early in my career, um, after after doing uh, sort of studying music and stuff, I got into audiobooks. So I've been working in sort of speech and audio for 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I worked it out and thought, God, that's that's a bit scary. <laughs> but obviously so much has changed in the time I've been doing it. Um, we were recording onto tape when I first wow. started working and then it sort of evolved through all the digital. I had someone I worked with say, what's a, what's a DAT tape? And he was holding one in his hand. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah. It's that one. It's yeah, that, it's that one. <laughs> He's put it in there. It's like a cassette and he knew what a cassette was. Um. But yeah, so it's pretty exciting, I think, for me, like in terms of coming at podcasts, um, which is the thing we've been working in in the last sort of earnestly in the last five years, is just there's still so much freedom and so much opportunity Mm. in podcasting that rewards the brave that other, there's been closed down in other places, I think. Uh, And it's still continuing to resist the, um, you know, the sort of, larger players coming in they obviously are but the freedom is still hanging on you know we must celebrate that independent yeah, podcasting so yeah well tell us guys about small wardor because i think it's a really interesting uh, kind of niche within the, the the realm of podcasting so i um carla who's not here um is my sort of co-founder of small wardor and danny joined us almost immediately we worked together for a long time on kids audio and actually danny sort of was the I don't know the uh, the glue that uh, stuck us together and <laughs> that we we first worked together on the Moomins collection when when Danny was in publishing originally um, we did I think eight Moomins titles together so Carla and I um, recorded and produced them and Danny was commissioning it so we worked really closely on those and we always loved kids well, we, we got along very well from the beginning and we've always loved kids content so we've always sort of stayed in touch about it and 
Carla has worked uh, as a CBBS radio producer and then moved into sort of digital distribution and um, you know sort of day job stuff for quite a while and then got the opportunity to be able for us to kind of well wanted to make the leap again into the sort of uh, startup world and it timed up well with what I'd been thinking and also sort of where Danny was at with what um, she had been doing and so we sort of thought let's let's start a company and so we we did. Well, I'm making audio for kids, right? Yeah, sort of um, in the buzzword parlance, probably, you know, audio first, not um, sort of thinking of original content that originates as audio as opposed to sort of adapting things. We, I don't, I'm not, we're not ruling anything out, but um, I think that hasn't happened so much uh, historically in sort of thinking about that audience first as an audio product. Um, and like we, you know, I think there's so much, you know, what we're going to talk about in the podcast will hopefully give you a sense of how much we love kids kids <laughs> great kids content well let's let's jump into that so today uh you dave have chosen hilda and the mountain king yes can you tell us first of all why you chose it and then i'll get a timer up uh you guys can't see it because we can't see your faces yep. uh, and we'll give you 60 seconds to tell us the synopsis or less okay you don't so have to take I, up do the i have 60 seconds. i have 60 i'll tell you why i like it because it's great um i think <laughs> i think I, I should say my disclaimer is there are some really, really huge um, Hilda fans out there, really hardcore fans, and I, I don't feel like I, um, you know, they will probably hear me say things and go, oh, you know what you're doing, but I don't think I think there's so much love for it. I just I started watching the series, and then I thought, wow, this is amazing, um, and the film does follow on from the series. It's sort of part of the series in a way, but as I've sort of doing a bit of my research for this discussion. It made me realize why I liked it, not just because it's based on Luke Pearson's amazing um, graphic novels, which if you've seen them, you know, they sort of fill you with joy by looking at them. But um, that then to create that as animation brought together seemingly just a lot of people who really love what they're doing. You know, there's no, apart from Bella Ramsey, who plays Hilda, who was sort of was in Game of Thrones as a young actor, mm. um, everyone's in it because they're just craftspeople who love what they do and want to work at it to make it great and that that's why it is great <laughs> well what's it can you give us a synopsis and the timer starts now okay cool so um you the only well time is i'm wasting my time with rambling you are um, three seconds the film starts uh hilda has been turned into a troll and the film basically is her journey to get changed back into a human and it in that journey covers a lot more about how how the town um, and the the environment um, they are in that Hilda is set in, uh, its attitudes to trolls, and it's generally you know broadly about um, ignorance and sort of othering, and how by learning about the other, everyone can you know grow and like create a better society. Which by the end of the film, they actually do create a sort of in Trollberg. The society has changed. The fear of the otherness has gone to a degree, and they they live happily that is ever not after. Time up. Okay, Danny, had you ever heard of the Hilda uh, stories, and what was your first thoughts watching this film? Oh yeah, I'd, I'd already um, watched it. I have two little girls, so. Um... Yeah, we were already uh, well into the world of Hilda. I, again, I'm definitely going to put the disclaimer because, you know, there are some super serious fans and I, I wouldn't say that I was like completely into the world of Hilda. But um, 
but yeah, no, I already uh, already watched the film before this podcast, and uh, I loved watching it again. It was great. So give us a bit of background, guys, because I've, I've literally never heard of this before. And um, so what kind of age range does it kind of resonate with mainly? And Yeah, well, Hilda's 11. So, um, and I did actually hear in a podcast interview with Stephanie Simpson, who's like the head writer, who's got a background in writing for children's animation. And apparently they were looking at the graphic novels and how, how to best adapt them for animation. Mm. And they first thought, so she had worked on Octonauts, which... Um, is a huge, yeah. you know, thing. And they thought, oh, should it be preschool? And like, no, the themes that go on in this are definitely for older kids. So I think they're really aiming, you know, it, probably sort of from eight, nine, up, up until sure. sort of tweeny age, and then all of us who are older than that. Oh, my, my eldest is five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, great content will reach just about everyone, you know, but um, I think that's, you know, I mean, Hilda's 11, so she's... She's in the, is it the Sparrow Scouts. God, this is where the real fans are going to be shouting at their <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I think what you, what's interesting there is that um, Danny's eldest is five. And if you're watching, you're entertained and it you know, hits them up with yourself as well. That's where, that's where we've seen a lot of better uh, entertainment over the past few years from what's ostensibly quote unquote kids films. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. I think Pixar kind of championed that side of thing. You know, one, one, something for the kids, something for the adults at the same time. And both people can enjoy the same film. Yeah. Um, but it's good. To, it's good to see more more of these kids uh, shows, kids films, and shows coming coming to the foreground that just don't piss adults off. Because I hear like Paw Patrol is like a nightmare um, <laughs> in so many ways. <laughs> it does not come on in my house. Put my yeah. foot down. <laughs> yeah, I've banned a few. I've banned a few TV shows. Coco Melon is something that comes on sometimes, which I right. would happily throw um, my shoe at and destroy my <laughs> my TV. Uh, but then there's you know there's good stuff like Bluey, which is like the best thing in the in the entire world. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bluey's pretty amazing. And and yeah. the guys Luke who made that there's a universal there in that you were saying earlier about stuff for adults and stuff for kids and everyone can enjoy it. I think what's good about Hilda is they they don't actually do that. They they just make it really good. They mm. don't sort of have hidden jokes for adults particularly. You know there are adult characters and they you know have their own motivations of things they're doing, but there aren't like like I grew up on The Simpsons, there aren't all those double level jokes that can be, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think that's a tribute to the writing, the, you know, obviously the genesis of it, um, what Luke Pearson created, and they are graphic novels, so they had storylines, obviously, but the adapt adaptation for animation I think is so well done. They've really, you know, it's clearly people who care. <laughs> I introduced my kid to um, Wallace and Gromit, the wrong trousers, literally yep. a couple of days ago, and because he likes penguins. And I thought, okay, let's Aww. let's see if you if you'll get still this. like them after. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he was annoyed at the start because it wasn't bluey, um, but then, as, then within seconds he was like, now, well, now he's like Wallace and Gromit, Wallace and Gromit, mate. Calm down, son. Helen, had you ever heard of Hilda? No, I'd not, not at all, um, in the slightest. So um, I'm, I'm probably um, the way out of the circle of hardcore Hilda fans. <laughs> uh, so yeah, n n not the film, nor the con comics or anything at all. So it was very, very much new to me. And the animation style, like my brother used to watch like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of Cartoon Network. And it kind of reminded me of sort of that kind of style of animation, which I was doing a little bit of reading and it sent Luke Pearson had done animation for Cartoon Network. Is that correct? Um, 
I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I saw it mentioned somewhere, so that might... Um, yeah, I think... Does that mean you know, but you don't want to tell us, Dave? Is that, is uh, that what you're saying? I wish you it was that. <laughs> I mean, I certainly know he, he does a lot of other illustration and other work. I think that um, Hilda was always a kind of love project that he just did, you know, um, for himself. And uh, he's a very sort of quiet, reserved person from what I've seen from a few interviews and things. He's not like a... I guess animators or illustrators can be commonly that way. He's not sort of a huge rowdy person. He's an insular person who likes sitting and drawing. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Didn't answer the question, did I? Not really. Um, so Karen Helen, never heard of it before. No, not at all. I mean, I feel that I probably would have got maybe more from it had I been a little bit familiar with at least the events that went on beforehand. I think maybe as a standalone thing. I probably didn't get as much from it as maybe you guys have, having known maybe the characters a bit more and getting a little bit of a feel for it. Yeah, David, why did you... This is not the first in the series. I don't know which one it is. Um, why did you give us the, the second, at least, in the series rather than give us the, the, the inaugural Hilda? Oh, well, so it's the first film, but it is oh, okay. like um, it follows on from the seasonal, the two seasons of the sort of series so right um yes I, I guess probably uh as a standalone you know it's a bit tricky i just uh i guess as in terms of a film length it is part of the series so i guess i guess i picked it because i thought it was great and also like if uh, i'm hoping that by you know say helen you're uh, saying it helped to i hope it drives you to go now back and watch the series because I, I had thought, oh, this is just for kids. But actually, I started watching and thought, I now want to know what happens um, in the next. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, it is the first film, but it, it it is set up by the two seasons that precede it, which is quite useful information. I guess it's sort of a, a yeah, it's very much a universe they've created. Um, and I presume the next season, which is being made, will obviously pick up from the end of the film. So it is slightly unusual. You know, it, 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 I don't. Th it was a Netflix production so mm -hmm. you know it didn't have as far as i know a theatrical release um but uh in terms of sort of the world where you know danny and i and carla are very much in i thought oh this is just a shining example for me of great content you know full stop but great content for for a younger audience so, so yeah that one one thing i do like about um <laughs> has always kind of been prevalent since i watched kids films and animations is the having a, a moral to the story and you know that could be like he-man fighting skeletor and at the end just saying don't do drugs kids yeah like, how's that got to how's that tied in with the story let's put yeah. like a <laughs> yeah an afterthought there the chocobot hour yeah but uh i mean let's go to yourself danny this this has a clear kind of um moral narrative to it all the way through what are your thoughts on how they presented it yeah i think that's one of the reasons i really like it because um I think this is a part of the reason we've kind of started this venture is that I feel like a lot of kids' content can either be really vacuous and <laughs> just like really shiny, loud, sparkly nonsense or um, or it's like really, like you said, crowbarred a moral in there and it's just like uncomfortable for everyone. <laughs> so um, I felt like um, with Hilda, it was just a part of the world. Um, every, you know, so it's like... Um, like Dave was saying about the otherness, I think that's like a really big part of it. But for me, I have two daughters and I've actually mm. found it really hard with kids' kids shows to find 
like strong female characters who are like the lead and independent and not like backing up the male character in some way and not in the minority like there's usually like hardly any female characters I mean Paw Patrol is a great example I think there's one she's dressed in pink and she hardly does anything so um, I was like really excited because my children are both quite um they're quite wild. They like to like <laughs> climb trees and eat leaves and <laughs> run around in the forest. So I was quite excited to see like that reflected for them in this quite really independent character. You know, and not just not just Hilda, like all the characters are really independent and strong yeah. and they're not afraid of the natural world. I think that's another thing I really like. They they love the wilderness. They love to be out there like in the dirt and the mud and picking berries and so I think there's like several different morals running through it that really resonated with me anyway and made it like quite a great choice for how I wanted to raise my daughters. I think it's not just in in film and tv it's also like amazingly in books as well and there's about the amount of kids books I have that are reading and there's like no female character in it and often it's written by a, a female author and you kind of think, what's what's going on here? So the amount of times I change he to she, just to like <laughs> yeah. balance it out whilst I'm reading, it's like it's insane. It's like I, I can't believe it still happens. That's funny. I do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but now my five year old started reading. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's mad. I thought it was a female it? bear mum. Um, don't don't worry about it, kid. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about the, the environmental stuff um, is that, you know, that is who Hilda is. So, like, it's mm. sort of driven by the character. The character's strong um, and that, you know, she is interested in the natural world. That's just, it's sort of driven, the, the plot is driven by she's a genuine character. She's, you know, she gets cranky and loses her temper and does silly things sometimes. But, you know, the the plot is driven by her genuine motivations, which, you know, nothing feels particularly bolted on. And there's always... I like they like David, who's one of her friends. Um, he always has, you know, insects and stuff stuck in, stuck in his hair, and there were things that, like are always landing on his head. And they never really explain why, really. And I like that. I like. I, I mean, I was a big fan of Peep Show. Um, I'm changing subject here, but Peep Show never went over overboard on the Basil Exposition stuff. It just would arrive halfway through the story. They had continued their lives in the meantime and you just had to catch up. And I really liked that letting you run with stuff and not, you know, nothing, not everything has to be explained. No, it's all good. Helen, what, I mean, you said you knew nothing about it. Were you, in, I don't know, enchanted by it in any way, shape or form? I don't know whether I'm going to check out the series. I think for me, <laughs> I don't know whether this is, just because I, I don't really watch much animation, but I'm not a huge fan of this animation style. And I think it's just my kind of like memory of the Cartoon Network kind of thing and that I've kind of been spoiled in that I only really kind of dip into animation when it is things like Pixar or Disney or Studio Ghibli. And I'm very much like, impress me with all your detail and impress me with like, ratatouille's rat hair and this this felt a little bit flat for me but that's just my quite narrow animation i think between me and you you definitely watch a lot more animation than me and i think you mean me you mean yeah yeah i mean i'd have to go to for me it doesn't again it kind of doesn't make any difference whether it's a a film that's animated or not if i like the premise of it i'll I'll certainly watch it 
Uh, but I do know it, it does bizarrely turn a lot of people off. And we've mentioned Will many a time on the show. We have, we have a mutual friend uh, who just doesn't watch any animated film. And we're like, so no Pixar. So no Disney. So no. He's <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, no he must have seen. animation either. He wouldn't even like tell us what he has or haven't, hasn't seen to make these, formulate these really strong opinions. Um, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Sort of thing. Well, this, yeah. Potentially. But he'll happily watch like old Westerns. You're like, oh, there's better, there's better stuff than that, mate. <laughs> to watch. Oh, that's really well, interesting. We love you. Yeah. It's a broad, <laughs> it's a broad church, the film loving world. It is, world. absolutely. You know, each to their own. Live and let live. Well, I, I love the fact that I've met someone like Will who just doesn't, there's completely like no animation. Um, it's such a, it, it does make me like keep me up awake at, at night sometimes. It doesn't. I think extremes are always hard. And they're like, if, you know, where people decide to draw the lines, even if you're happy mm. for let them, you're like, no, no, I have to ask more questions. Why? Why? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I was like that with some. I was like that with some styles of music. He's like, I can't, I can't do heavy metal, guys. It's not, it's not going to work for me. And then you hear one song, you're like, ah. But soft metal, this one's all right. Soft metal, this one's all right. Okay. But the rest is crap. <laughs> like, like you're all right with Bon Jovi. I mean, I'm all right with John Bo, John Bobby. <laughs> bon Jovi. That's more. That's just more cheese, isn't it? It's, it's more like you're in a nightclub and a Living in Prayer comes on, and you you scream off, you scream your head to it. I've never once bought an album <laughs> or a single or not, uh, not even the greatest hits. I think everyone had the greatest hits. Crossroads. I don't have Bon Jovi. I don't have Bon Jovi's greatest. How many has he got? Well, it was just that one for a while. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. There's more than you think, I'd say. But, you know, you'll have to look. Spotify will have this is Bon Jovi playlist, which will go longer than you want it to. <laughs> like the this is Phil Collins. You go, maybe a bit of Phil Collins, and then you hear three, and you're like, that's enough. <laughs> Sorry. I, Phil, give, I, I have more Phil Collins than bon, than bon Jovi because you've got the Genesis stuff, you know, I Can't Dance, which is an absolute banger, which I love when it came out. And then you've got the one with the, you know, he plays the drums at the start. You've got the, the tar Tarzan soundtrack? Nope, not having that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting, isn't it? Like, um, particularly the other one, DreamWorks. That yeah, pretty one, much every every. I think this was probably another thing with me and not really enjoying that much animation is that every children's film seems to have a popular song that's either just a sequence of all the characters just dancing to it, or they've like slightly changed the words a little bit. And yep. it was kind of nice that this didn't have that. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the music in this is actually fantastic. I think, like, um, we we have a friend who has a young daughter, and we went for a drive down to the beach a few weeks ago, and she just wanted to listen to the Hilda soundtrack. We're like, okay, cool. And um, my wife Taryn hadn't really watched Hilda, and we were about forty minutes into it. She goes, "Is this still the Hilda soundtrack? Because this is kind of like." good it's not like kids music <laughs> um and ryan carlson's the um composer um and again i think he's a really talented but probably not famous craftsperson you know great musician the songs it's great but you don't yeah it's not like he's not he does occasionally write a bit of music for a montage which is deliberately and self-aware but um yeah i think that's a really good point the music is really great and it serves the action and the storyline rather than this is what's going to end up on, you know, this isn't going to be used for promotion or it's kind of an air-punching anthem that they're going to put in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. But all the kids are singing for, like, the next six months. Yeah, like certain films that are based around ice tend, tend to have done. It won't... I mean, there could be a Hilda Arena Spectacular 
I'd be happy to see that, but I just don't know if the songs would be as um, anthemic. Punchy as punchy. Yeah. I've never seen that one. You haven't seen Frozen? I've not seen Frozen, no. Crikey. Um, <laughs> I mean, should I? I don't, don't worry. Know. Just, you don't need to see it. Just let it go. Controversial. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. On that bombshell, guys. Nice. Uh, <laughs> we, um, I actually prefer Frozen 2 and the music in it. Controversial choice. Um, anything else, guys, want to say before we head to the scores? Bring it on. Love Hilda. Ready for yeah. the scores. Well, let's head to the scores. Hello, I'm Martin. I'm Sam. And every week we get together on our podcast Song by Song to discuss the music of Tom Waits. Uh, Waits is a writer, musician and performer. Uh, You might know him from his four decades of songs like uh, What's He Building In There, Downtown Train, Martha, Rain Dogs. Or you might have seen him in films like Dracula, uh, The Fisher King, uh, The Mm. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, or if you made it that far, Licorice Pizza. We're joined every week by guests from various backgrounds and disciplines, and together we take a close listen to his work, analysing the topics and tones he uses in his music, and honestly engaging with one of the most interesting voices of his generation. Listen to our latest season or dive into our back catalogue by visiting songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. The scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Dave, with your recommendability. Um, I'm going to go 4.79. <laughs> and it's only... have, you, what's, have you listened to our show's episodes before? Uh, I have listened to a couple, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people don't like the, the, uh, the decimal places, but you've leaned... Leaned right into I've leaned in because I really want to give it five, but I really take Helen's point that if you're recommending it, they need to be sort of up for the whole ride. <laughs> so I would tell anyone to do it. You know, I would be five in, in terms of enthusiasm, but if sort of thinking about what I'm asking people to do, I probably have to make it just slightly less than five because there's a little bit of a mountain of pre-watching to climb, I guess, to get the most out of it. Uh, Danny. Yeah, I, well, the the unevenness of that upsets me. So I was going to say four point five, <laughs> again again to Helen's point. Well, to two of Helen's points actually. The um, the you do yeah, it, it, it was when I watched it yesterday again. I was like, oh, actually, you do need the series a bit to to fully get it. And also, I kind of understood your point around being slightly scarred by Cartoon Network um, animation. I mean, for me, I, I, I really like graphic novels. So for me, it looked very graphic novel. But I, mm. there have definitely been animations that I've watched where you're right, they have that sort of Cartoon Network look and it immediately puts me off. So I was like, oh, I feel like I would recommend it. But maybe I'd put that in as a, as a, as a warning. <laughs> uh, Helen? Um, I mean, go with your heart. You can, like, you know, give give the numbers that you feel in your heart. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there is like specific people, uh, a friend who's got two girls who I would recommend this to. But I I think if we're sort of talking like my friends on kind of like WhatsApp or like what's what's hot on Netflix to recommend, I'm probably not going to be recommending this. And I think it's just. I think if you've got kids, then this is something that is wholesome, um, kind of makes you think, and um, girls aren't just 
princesses or trying to fall in love with a prince. So it's got a lot of strengths, but as kind of like a standalone and sort of on the broad spectrum of recommending, um, I'm going to give it a 3.7. That's a solid pass. Yeah, I'd say it's solid. Yeah. <laughs> 3.7, all right, yeah. all right. Solid. Um, I'm going to give it slightly more than Helen. I'm going 3.86. I think you do, I think um, there's a few caveats. I take, I take points away from caveats. So I'll start at the five, how easy it is to recommend. Um, and I think there's, I think there's a few things that take down a few notches for, and I think the, um, what the kind of points that Helen's discussed, uh, take a few notches out of it. Uh, but also I think it's when I, when I started it, I was like, is this started all the way through? Is this, or is this like a flash forward scene that will they come back to in like 10 minutes in and still haven't gone back to the start or when this might've happened. So I thought it was a bit discombobulating, even though I know it's ostensibly a kid's film, but I thought it was a bit weird. And so that kind of took me away. I didn't like, I really like the animation style. I, um, when I watched like the gorillas early stuff, for example, that's really kind of janky and has its own really kind of graphic novel-y kind of vibe. To it. And I really think it works with the vibrancy. And I think Hilda's and the Martin King is the, is the same kind of thing. I think the, the vibrancy of, uh, of the, uh, of the animation style works with, um, you know, the energy of it as well. Um, so, but yeah, 3.86. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. And when you when you first suggested it, I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> what is this nonsense we're going to watch? And um, but ultimately, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm charmed by it. Uh, there was a good moral to it. I knew that the massive troll inside the cave was a baddie straight away. That's his voice. He's got a, he's got a great voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so repeat viewing score. Let's go to David first. I'm almost at the same place, but like if I go with my heart, I'll say five because I've, I got more about it, out of it the second time and I felt it actually moved faster the second time. Like I thought in the first time I had watched it was a little while back and I thought oh, I was quite long, but actually it zipped along watching it. And obviously like anything on repeat viewing, you notice more details. Like Helen was saying, like it's not that sort of Pixar level of granular detail, but there is a lot of stuff in there. There's quite a lot of Easter eggy type things, like which I I I sort of discovered. Like the director is a character in the film. Like his um, he the a lookalike for the David's dad is the director of the film. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't know so, that. I like um, that. And I think Luke Pearson certainly appeared in the series um, as a character as himself, like oh. animated. So <laughs> I think there's lots of nice detail to find from it. Um, so I think it does. Yeah, and, and like going back to sort of getting your head around what's happening, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go five. Five. Boom. I won't drop um, the mic. No worries. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say five as well because I feel like I, I, I mean, I say this because I have watched it about 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about your little one, but my little ones, they love the repetition. <laughs> but I've enjoyed it every time. I watched it again yesterday for this um, for this. Um, podcast and um I, yeah I get something different from it every time I watch it like originally I was like I really want to get the kids into this because you know like I was saying about the strong female characters and you know the natural world but when I watched it yesterday I was like wow there's also this really big theme about like maternal love and you know like so many like really big strong maternal characters like Hilda's mother obviously but also the troll mother and um, I, mm. weirdly, you know, obviously I'm a mother myself. I found it really 
emotional for some reason yesterday the the troll mother's love for 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 the trolls that's how i, I mean if you haven't watched this and you hear this in isolation that sounds ridiculous but <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense in the film and so yeah i feel like i get something different from it every time so for for that reason yeah i'd give it five helen i i'm beginning to kind of like learn of the tolerance for repeat viewing for parents um <laughs> quite quite a lot that um um, yeah, I mean that's impress- impressive time amount of time of rewatching. Oh, I th- I think I don't think I'm going to watch this again. I don't think <laughs> uh, one and a half. Yeah, it's a niche. You'll either like Danny watch it twenty times <laughs> because you probably don't really have a choice, or you'll go, "That was nice." I'm gonna. There's many other films to watch. Um, fair enough. I um. I won't watch it straight away, but I'll, I will definitely introduce Milo to it maybe a year down the line. Um, he's two and a half at the moment. So I think, you know, honestly, I'd also rather introduce him to Disney films, which I love at first. <laughs> um, but yeah, in a year down the line, I'll definitely introduce it to him. And, you know, if he takes to it, then I'll watch it a gajillion times. Why not? Um, <laughs> You'll have no choice. <laughs> well, this is it. There's like, there's, it goes through phases of watching Bluey, Bluey episodes, and there's one episode of camping which i've watched at least two thousand times oh it's a good um, one and, it's a good one sorry it's a good one <laughs> it's a great one it's so nice and, and for those people who know the episode of camping if you put the french subtitles on jean Luc speaks english and that blew my little mind oh. um that's a niche deep cut for some people there um so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for 2.5 and you know revisit this in a year's time it might be five uh, just because i've been forced to strong-armed into it uh, small screen score david um, yeah, I think, I think I'll go a four on the small screen only because like, well, it. I think it would look amazing on a big screen actually. And I like the, and, and because quite a lot of it happens at night or like mm. without light, like the difference, the day and night thing is really important in this film. So I think, I think it could be great. Um, I'm sure there was like, there would have been some theatrical screenings of it, um, when it released at least, um, it's 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 still great on a, on a smaller screen. I think it would be amazing to see in a, in a in a cinema because of that kind of you know when it's dark it's really dark and then so um, yeah that's my I think four and I you know I feel I I do love this film so I feel bad giving it four but yeah I think that's fair. Danny, um, I would say four point five just because I feel like the the way it is illustrated and the vibrancy of it I think. Um, you know, you watch a lot of movies on TV and it is very flat, whereas I did feel like it is it is very colourful and vivid and exciting and, um, you know, like, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't, but I have let my two-and-a-half-year-old watch it. And, um, I mean, to be fair, there were some, there were some questions about trolls initially. <laughs> but she could... She could follow it actually really well, and um, she she usually doesn't follow a movie. So um, I feel, yeah, for that reason, I'd give it four point five. Yeah, the amount of times I've tapped out Little Mermaid, he's just tapped. It's like no, <laughs> this is I'm tired now, Dad. Um, <laughs> I've got a lot of fear of the sea witch. Actually, we didn't get past that. Uh, Couldn't get past the sea witch, which I was pleased with because I didn't really like the Little Mermaid. <laughs> it's a bit well, scary, Ursula, if you're a kid. Yeah. yeah, she is right. She really is. She's scarce at the end, though, when she comes... Anyway, uh, we can <laughs> oh, yeah, digress into oh, another yes. film. <laughs> Sorry. And Spoiler. potentially spoiling other Breaking films. Uh, Helen. 
small um, screen score. Yeah, I, I I think this is kind of works fine on your home viewing. Um, I would. I can't remember the last time I saw an animated thing at the cinema. So, um, yeah, five for me for small screen. Yeah, I'm going to get five. I couldn't imagine watching this on the big screen. Um, so, yeah, five. Engagement score. David? Yeah, I guess I'm not... Uh, I, I am very engaged. I think because, you know, what we've been doing with Small Water, we've been kind of, like, really eagle-eyed on great content. So I think... I'm not a parent, by the way, but, like, you know, I'm a former child. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I think in terms of when you, like like Danny said, there's, like, I'm fortunately not forced to watch stuff I don't want to watch, so I guess that's a luxury to have. But um, <laughs> I I am really engaged with it because I'm, all, I'm, I'm enjoying it for the ride. You know, you forget, but I'm also really looking at the nuts and bolts and going, oh, God, I really like what they've done. Like the, I'm, I'm sort of an animation fan to a degree, and I've, in a tiny way, dabbled in doing a bit myself, so I really appreciate how amazingly well done it is, how... The, there's really conscious decisions made in terms of how it's drawn. There's certain things that, like Hilda's fringe, or if you're American, you would say bangs, cross over her eyeballs, right? And you can still see the outline of her eyeball. And that's something definitely Luke Pearson chose to do. And mm. um, I think that's fascinating because it really works. But like you wouldn't, if you were drawing, you go, no, your fringe blocks out your eyeball. Um, just all those kind of little details They've, you know, anyway, sorry. So I'm, I'm making the case <laughs> and I'm really engaged. So I'm going to say five. <laughs> yeah. Um, Danny? Uh, yeah, I would say five because, um, yeah, I've watched it many times and still, uh, still enjoy it. So, and yeah, both my children can sit through the whole thing, which is quite a miracle. <laughs> Helen? Um, not so high. Like it's, it's funny sort of talking about, um, you once were a child. I was thinking, like, I don't think I was that massively into cartoons as a child. I mean, I kind of watched them, but like my main kind of like kiddie watching memories are, are like being able to get hold of things of like ET as soon as possible. So maybe it's it's just like so. Well, there's there's no He Man or yeah, Transformers in I your watched, life. I watched it, but. From the cats, my God! <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I watched the I watched them all, but the 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 things that I like remembering, like loving with all my heart, were like E.T. and and kind of like the short circuit and batches not included and like that stuff. Like I watched the cartoons, but when I I wouldn't go back and I wouldn't watch those the cartoons now and enjoy them whereas i'd watch et and mm. still feel all of that like love for that little brown creature okay <laughs> that makes Engagement sense score, then. uh i give it a three i think it felt a little bit stretched into 90 minutes for me but uh yeah three i'm gonna go for four um i, I didn't know where it was, i think partly because i felt wrong-footed at the start um, and partly because I felt I was like, I'm, I'm going to try and catch up here and not understand what's going on. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to see if my, my theories played out, uh, which they did do in the main, uh, everyone gets along at the end and, you know, stuff like that. But I was, I was, one of the things that kind of get me engaged more is, um, like trolls are a very like Scandinavian thing. 
and you know the, the name of this town and everything was very kind of north north european north european but no one was speaking there's no kind of hint of it being like norwegian or swedish or anything like that. what what was it so i was trying to work out what the basis was and why they did it this way have you got any idea on that david at all I don't have a really cut and dried answer. I think that um, it's really, I guess, come from the sort of visual style of how Luke Pearson draws. I mean, there, there, you know, there's um, is it Gerda who's one of the um, security patrol? She has, I mean, she's played by Lucy Montgomery, who's British, but like, you know, the trolls have sort of broadly Scandinavian accents, and the town looks a bit like sort of, I don't know, a sort of Danish city. But I think it's just, um, it's a very international production. Mm. Um, obviously, a lot of that was in the visual visual style of what Luke draws. I think they then made conscious decisions about the voice casting in terms of, you know, like the like David to me now i'm 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 australian, so I'm not you know the most amazing person at picking accents. Like David's parents sound like Liverpudlian to me, but he sounds Welsh. Right. I don't, I don't, doesn't bother me, you know, like in terms of it's, and, you know, Alpha, the elf, you know, he's sort of almost American, but I think he's a British actor playing him. So I, I, I like that it's sort of not pinning itself to any, anyone. And I, I think that any one place is made by a mm. Canadian company, mostly in Canada, um, with sort of mostly funded, I guess, by sort of, you know, I'm not sure how they funded the whole thing, but so it is a very international. It's a British illustrator's, you know, IP, his idea, but it's got it taken on a very international reach as an animated series. So, yes, you're right. It is a bit. Where is it? When is it? You know, they have phones, but it's not. They don't really use computers very much. Like it's sort of mm. indeterminate in lots of ways, and I think that's quite nice. I don't think it. You know, it doesn't have to smack you over the head with the '80s, like. I think Stranger Things is great, but like it's definitely making it very clear when things are, <laughs> are set. Um, well, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, yeah. Maybe I've, I've spent too much time thinking about it when it's uh, kind of irrelevant. Uh, but let's. Uh, the, sorry, the overall score for this episode for Hilda and the Mountain King is four point one four six double eight, which is way higher than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, really strong. Uh, some super strong scoring from Danny and David. Um, so yeah, well, guys, thank you for bringing it to to my attention, to Helen's attention, to our listeners' attention, because I'm sure there's a lot of people who simply don't know exists. Um, and I'm sure there's, there's a lot of people, uh, young and old, who um, will will enjoy it and take away from it, take good things away from it. So can, just to briefly recap, where can we find you guys, um, Small Wardour, and we'll say goodbye to, to all the listeners. Um, yeah, well, we're at smallwardour.co.uk. And thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure to talk about Hilda. Yeah, it's been really fun. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you.
You just heard a stripped media production. <laughs>